in week three of this series, Habits. We're wanting to take a few extra weeks because the good news is the month of January is the best month to start new habits. People are more inclined to start a new habit in the month of January than any other month. The second month, the second best month is the month of Neverary. It truly is. On the day of someday, someday in the month of Neverary, that's when it happens. We are already set up in the right place. That's why we've taken the rest of January and uh, to, to talk about habits. Uh, I've had several people uh, email me and message me and talk to me in the lobby saying, hey, any, any other reading you recommend or some uh, kind of helps, resources? And I just want to share a couple of, of resources I'd recommend. The Power of Habit uh, by Charles Duhigg is a great uh, is, is, a, is a great book on habits and also uh, the, the next habit of Atomic Habits, the uh, next book, pardon me, by James Clear. Both great uh, books and in, in very systematic. They've been great resource in some of this series. Also, I got a text message yesterday from a friend. Uh, I had mentioned in a previous sermon about how do you kind of keep track of some of the goals that you're setting? How do you uh, kind of uh, ritualize your day, so to speak? And I have not found a better system. If you find a better one, let me know. But the best system I have had for me and many of our staff is called the Full Focus Planner. Uh, It is analog. You don't keep it on your phone. And some of you immediately that kind of, you push back on that. But there's something about the lost art of just writing some stuff down and avoiding some of the digital things because it can get so consuming. So the fullfocusplanner.com, Michael Hyatt Company, it's a great way to keep track of your uh, morning rituals and evening rituals and your your goals for the year and your week and your big three. I highly recommend that is a system, not just leaning, not just having experience expecting Jesus to do the work for you. We have to be hearers of the word and doers of the word. Those that hear the word and don't do anything with it, they're like a foolish man who builds a house on sand. Someone who hears the word and does something and takes practical steps forward, that's a wise contractor who builds their house uh, on a rock. So those are some resources. Coming up in the weeks to come, I just want to give you a, a, a little bit of a sneak peek that next Sunday, if if you are a leader or if you, th- if you want to be a leader, if you say, no, nah, I'm not a leader, guess what? You are a leader. Uh, you have influence, and leadership is influence. And one of the greatest persons you're required to lead, way beyond your family, the number one person God's called you to lead in your life is you, is you. You are called to be a self Leader, And next Sunday, I want to talk about habits for learning and leading not only self, but others at a higher altitude. We're going to unpack a story in scripture, a a story that happens with Jesus and the disciples, but then give you some leadership lessons behind that story. The Bible is the number one source for any kind of effective leadership training in your life. Number one source. If it's a good leadership principle, you'll find it in the Bible. If it's a great leadership principle, but it goes against the Bible, It ain't a great leadership principle, I promise you. Now, February 6th, we'll shut this series down with the four habits of a joy-filled marriage. A lot of your marriages are full of a lot of things. Full of it. But you can have four habits of a joy-filled marriage, a joy-filled relationship, and that's where we'll end this series. Last week, I asked you to think these two questions as as kind of a pondering question during the, that, this last week. And here was the first question. I wanted you to ask yourself, 
Who do I want to become? You look five years down the road, yourself five years down the road is only an exaggerated version of you. Unless something drastically changes in your life, you are just going to be a little old, five years older, you a little bit more wrinkled, maybe a little bit heavier, maybe a little bit skinnier. But who you want to become is way beyond your physical attributes. It's that heart. It's the attitude. It's the actions. It's the convictions. It's the conduct. It's the character. Who do you want to become? So really, who do you want to become has to be answered by this next question we asked you to, to think about. Where am I headed? Because if where you're headed is, is contradicting who you want to become, then it's time to change direction. You can have good intentions of getting somewhere but it is not your intentions that get you there. It's direction. In fact, you may want to jot it down somewhere. Direction trumps intention. It's your direction, not intention, that determines your destination. And so this series has been about um, kind of cultivating the kind of direction we want to go, then walking backwards and saying, based on who I want to become, what must I get done? Start with the who over the do. And today, we're going to get super practical, going to give you some handlebars full of biblical wisdom, but some handlebars, you can chew on this and you can apply it to every facet of your life. And today, it's all about starting a new habit and stopping a bad habit. And we want to give you some real simple, believe it or not, some simple steps to starting something new and stopping something bad. Most of us... And most of what we experience in every single day life, everyday life, it's the, tums, it's the sum total of habits that I have created for everyday life. What you experience in everyday life is usually the sum total of the habits you've produced in your life. The waking up habits, the going to bed habits, the way I talk to people habits, the way I respond to people habits. The good, the bad, and the ugly, the truth is 45% of your day is usually on autopilot. We become what we repeatedly do, and if you are on autopilot and you're doing the same old, same old, there's nothing wrong with the same old, same old if the same old, same old is taking you in the right direction, All right? There's nothing wrong with being stuck in a rut if that rut is actually taking you to the right place. Now, if you're stuck in a rut and it's taking you down the, you know, down the creek and you're going to drown in the riverbed, yeah, get out the rut. But if your rut is actually taking you where you need to go, stay in the rut. Daniel, a prophet from the Old Testament, had every right to turn his back on God, had every right to give up his faith. Had every right to be frustrated and mad and, and cynical at God. Why? Because when he was a teenager, the Babylonian Empire attacked and uh, uh, took over, conquered Israel. Conquered the capital city of Israel known as Jerusalem. And Daniel and his friends and their families, many of them were wiped out, desolated, but then the young ones were brought back into captivity and they tried to retrain them and relearn them, re-identify them. Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those were their, their, their Babylonian names. We only know them by the name they were given. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all given these names to try and re-culturize them against their one true God. And yet, Daniel, as a teenager, grows in the ranks of leadership, and before you know it, in a foreign city, as a slave, he becomes over everything. He becomes the key vice, viceroy 
to Nebuchadnezzar. And we see some habits in Daniel's, lives that be, in Daniel's life that became exceptional qualities. In fact, Daniel 6, we see it right here. Daniel went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. He had a usual habit in a usual location with a usual trajectory, open doors uh, with the windows open toward Jerusalem. And he would pray three times a day, a consistency effect, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. There was a habit formed in Daniel's life that gave, that gave him the friction. It gave him the trajectory. It gave him the capacity and, and, and the grip on the road to be able to go where he needed to go. This was a great habit. It'd be a great habit for us to figure out how to spend time every day in prayer. It's why we start the new year, 21 days of prayer. Every Monday through Friday, the first 21 days from January 10th to January 30th, we are praying at 6 a.m. at the Lufkin location and the Nacogdoches location. It is from 6 to 7 a.m. Starts right at 6, ends right at 7. We, we had so many more people show up last week than the first week. We're growing, but we got one more week, everybody. One more week. We're growing, and listen, if you haven't dipped your toes in the water of 21 days of prayer like that, you can do it joining us online, but I'm just saying there's just something special about showing up in the flesh if you are physically able to do that. Set the alarm today. Let, let's, see, let's see the trajectory go up and to the right for the final five days of that morning prayer and see people show up and just pray. It's systemic. It's easy. You're not just sitting there like, looking around. Like, like it's not weird. Nobody's walking to you and saying, I'm going to pray for you. Tell me your dark, dirty secrets. Nobody's doing that. Okay? Don't be embarrassed. You, 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 don't, you don't have to put your guard up or anything. Like, you can just come. We even have coffee and creamer. Like, and we got rid of that junky creamer. We got some big old creamers. Big old, real creamers. Not that gas station creamer. Get that out of here, Timber Creek Church. Come on. Give me some good creamer. Anyway, I digress. I need to have a new habit of staying on track. That's what I need. We're going to talk about a new habit. If you're going to take your worship guide, you can follow along with this chart. We're going to start on the left side of the chart, and we're going to talk about how do I start a new habit. Charles Duhigg, in that, in that uh, book, The Power of Habit, uh, discusses three keys to a habit, and that's the cue, the response, and the reward. Many times there's a trigger in our life or a cue that will give us a response uh, when, <clears throat> when I don't clean up after myself or I don't listen the first time or I leave uh, dishes out instead of putting them in the sink. The list could go on, <laughs> okay? The list could go on. When I don't do that, there's a cue that has a response. And my wife, her response is always loving and kind and patient and long-suffering. And then the reward of that is a, is a, is just, is a wonderful talk time. Just talk time where we just talk to each other about my issues and my stuff. And my problems, and why, why am I getting so defensive on this? I wouldn't be defensive. You, I'm defensive. You're the one. That, you're the one that's defensive. Oh, I need to do that. Oh, you. Well, what about you? Oh, you're having a really great attitude right now, Pastor Jeremy. Yeah, I am Pastor Jeremy. God bless you. May or may not be a true story. We're all learning on new habits, aren't we? And habits we've kind of picked up over time. Cue response 
and rewards. So I wanna talk to you about what's that cue? How do you make sure you set up the right thing? You wanna start a new habit. Number one, I'm gonna give you some simple stuff. This is not rocket science today. And it shouldn't be rocket science. Because if it's gonna be a way to build it, it can't be hard, it's gotta be easy. Number one, you gotta make it obvious. Make obvious what you want to start. You have to make it obvious. You start with, with the new year in mind saying, I want to be a, a better person. That's pretty vague, isn't it? You begin to drill down deeper. What does a better person look? Who do I want to become? And you begin to define that. You can define that all kinds of places. You drill down into the word of God and you begin to find out what Christ-like conviction, conduct, and character looks like. There was a study a few years ago, a British university did a study of 248 people. They gathered the 248 and they had one goal, one obvious goal, start a new habit of weekly exercise. Start a new habit of weekly exercise. Now they took the 248 that showed up for the, for the test, it was gonna be a 30 day deal, and they divided these 248 into three different groups. The first group, Here's the direction they gave them. They said, all we want you to do is track your progress. Here's, here's a book to track your progress. So, okay, go for it, all right? That's kind of what, that was, it was kind of their, their um, control group, right? Then group two, they said, here, we want you to track your progress. Here's a little book to track your progress with. But they added, read an article a day on the benefits of exercise. So they were, they were getting an article a day to motivate them of why they were eating healthy, why they were going to exercise, what it does to your endorphins, what it does to your hormones, how it makes you stronger, that kind of thing. Read an article a day, and they provided them the articles. Group three. They did not provide them with articles, but they gave them the same thing, track your progress. But here's the thing they added. Pick a day and time. Pick a day and time of when you're going to weekly exercise. Now, after 30 days, after 30 days, there was a 35% success rate of those that track their progress and those that read the article a day on benefits. So what does that say? Whether you read men's health or not doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna actually see progress. You're gonna have about the same progress. Motivation is not as big of a motivator as you think. But group three, 91% success rate. The biggest difference was they made it obvious. This is when I will get up on this day, and this is where I'll go, and this is the exercise I'll do. They had to pick a time and location. Now, here, here's, here's what I wanna say from this. Many people think they lack the motivation to start that new habit, but what you really lack is clarity, the clarity of it, to make it as obvious as possible and to remove as many obstacles that will keep it from being obvious. Let me give you an example. Let me, let, me, let me say this scientifically. Your body has 11 million sensory receptors where you hear and feel and taste and touch. 11 million sensory receptors in your body. But out of those 11 million, 10 million are dedicated to vision, dedicated to what you see. 
it's amazing the overwhelming amount of focus is what you see. So that's why when you make something obvious, when the night before you put out your clothes and you set everything up and you make sure your keys are in the obvious place and you, you set your alarm and you give your time, you make it obvious what you're gonna do the night before, it gives you that much more of a chance to get out there and get it done. Yesterday morning, I got this idiot in my life. He's a friend. He's a friend. I'm joking. He's, he's training for a half marathon. He said, I got to run nine miles on Saturday morning. It's going to be 23 degrees outside. Will you run with me? I said, the Holy Spirit is going to run with you. <laughs> he will not leave you nor forsake you. I said, I love you. You've ran with me. I'll run with you. We're out there like, we were like Harry and Lloyd, if you've ever seen Dumb and Dumber. We, on the, you know, we just had no motorbike. You know, it was freezing. But we had to make it obvious. So we had to say, okay, we're going to do it no matter how cold it is. We're going to get there together. We're going to make it happen. You're going to show up. We're going to get out. We're going to get out. You're going to drive here. I'm going to drive there. I'm going to drop off the waters. We, made, we had to make it obvious to actually get it done. A few years ago, there was an airport in Amsterdam they were voted as the dirtiest bathrooms in all of aviation. So the facilities director began to try and figure out what they could do to, to improve how dirty their, in particular, their men's restroom was. Their men's restrooms were incredibly dirty. And so he took the men's restroom, true story, and he took stickers and he placed a sticker in the bottom of the urinal, and the sticker, if you were to zoom in, it's just a sticker of a fly. It's like, give yourself a goal, you know? It's just a goal. Cleanliness increased by 40%, and their cleaning costs dropped by 18% in one year. They just had a goal and made it obvious. Aim there. That's why, I don't know if you've noticed at all of our locations, we have little devil faces down there. Devil face. Just kidding. Now, the truth is, small change, that's a joke, ladies. Small changes in what you see can lead to big changes in what you do. As you see it and you make it obvious, it can change what you do. Jesus said it in this way. Uh, Jesus himself, he said, hey, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, you're seeing the right things. If you're keeping your eyes healthy, your whole body will be full of light. What he's saying is, what you see matters. You know that it doesn't take a large IQ to notice the negative. As a matter of fact, um, there are a whole lot of people that they have become experts at being negative. You notice that in your life? <laughs> I haven't noticed that. <laughs> It's you. <laughs> You're the one. Um, it, takes a, it takes a lot stronger person to speak the positive. It is easy to point out the negative in your kids. Speak to the hope. Speak to the life. Speak over the positives in their life. Speak to the, say the positive. Speak to the positive. I, I love seeing kids. I, right over here is a little kid on Wednesday night closer. A uh, little girl, I, I walked up to her and she was singing and she was, she had her hand raised. I said, oh my goodness. It just, my heart, just like, you are a worshiper. I, you, you ought to be a worship leader here someday. Whether she has the gift of singing, I don't know. 
It's like, you gotta be a worship. I'm gonna speak to the positive. I say, but you know, you know who sees you quicker than I could ever see you, more than your parents see you. Jesus sees you worshiping. He loves it. He loves it. You speak to the, you speak that positive out there. Make it obvious. Number two, make it easy. I, I, I am guilty of feeling so bad about not accomplishing certain things that I set new goals and then my new goals are gonna be like hard. Because like, man, if it's not hard, it's not worth doing. Everything worthwhile's uphill. But there's also, you gotta like get traction. You gotta make it easy enough to get into the lane. Like make it start small. Life change doesn't happen when we do something big occasionally. So I can big, I'm gonna go work out every single day, seven days a week for two hours a day. And you make it one day. That's not easy. But you say, hey, I, 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 I'm going I'm to work out 10 minutes a day. You're like, how am I going to find an hour a day? How am I going to find 30 minutes a day? 10 minutes a day. Five minutes a day. Start. Make it easy. Life change doesn't happen. You do something big. We want the big atomic explosion versus the microatomic habit. Happens when we do something small consistently. There was nothing massive about the prayers of Daniel as usual every day, three times a day. There wasn't super holy of holies moment where he had to dip himself in the holy water or come to the church property. It was just simply in his living room. He didn't have to look at a picture of all his goals. He just faced towards Jerusalem. And his consistency, his small consistency, consistency led to big results and big influence in his life. Make it obvious. Make it easy. Here's some easy things. Get to the parking lot of the gym. Just get to the parking lot. Set that as the first goal. My goal is to get to the parking lot of the gym three times a week. I can tell you, if you get up out of bed and get to the parking lot, you are about 25,000 times more, more ready to actually work out than just saying, I'm gonna get there. Do a proverb a day. I wanna read through the Bible this year. Okay, that's a great goal. That's a big goal, and that's not an easy goal. If it were easy, a lot of people would do it. And it's not about getting through the Bible. It's about the Bible getting through you. So what if tomorrow, January 24th, you just read Proverbs 24? That's it. What if tomorrow, January 24th, you just read the first three verses of Proverbs 24? Pray for a minute and go. Many times, because you consider yourself not able to sit and read two or three chapters or pray for 10 minutes, that you just don't even pray or read. Start somewhere. Start somewhere. Small makes a difference. Little things are big things in disguise. Make it obvious. Make it easy. I'm not saying just do easy things. You gotta do hard things. But you can start by making it easier for you to do. Number three, involve your community. Involve people. Surround yourself with people that will be for you and cheer you up. The worst thing besides sin that was first in the Bible was loneliness and isolation. When God said, it's not good for man to be alone. We need one another. We need community. It's why we offer groups. We don't offer programs just to have people do programs and honestly, you are more prone to do things on your own organically than any kind of program we could ever uh, provide for you. The reason we provide that is we wanna make it obvious that's important. We wanna make it easy while simultaneously connecting you 
in community. And so tonight, 6 p.m., at our locations, Encounter. You heard a, a video infomercial on it already. It's amazing how when you begin to settle your yesterdays, how tomorrow, it, it, it looks so much more approachable. When you can begin to settle the things in the past and what God wants to do, you're saved, but you've got some stuff holding you back. That's what Encounter is all about. And it's about making it obvious, making it easy, and involving community and moving forward. That's why we do starting point. We try to make it obvious. That's the first step of getting connected to Timber Creek. It's easy. Come at 9.30 in the morning. Actually, we've realized it's not as easy as it, as it seems. It's hard to get four weeks in a row. So we're working on how do we make it easier, not dumbed down or not watered down, but how do we make it easier for you to connect with Timber Creek? Because we want to involve you in community. We want to make it easier and easier and easier to connect with one another in community. Bible says it like this in Proverbs 13, walk with the wise, become wise. That's how you do it. Walk with the wise and become wise. So if you want to, if, if, if you think about your friends and you add up, you add up their wisdom, if you get nervous, it's time to rethink your community. Add up your closest friends. And if you get nervous at the amount of, of, problems, you got problems too. But problems that are being solved in a way that you don't think is the right way or not the wise thing to do in life, you may need to rethink your community, everybody. So a new habit, make it obvious, make it easy, involve your community. Now let's shift over to a bad habit. How do we start and how do we stop a bad habit? How do we stop a bad habit? Well, let's look at it. All of us have something that has slipped into our life that needs to leave our life. Every one of us have something in our life that has slipped into your life that probably needs to leave your life. It could be as simple as biting your nails. Simple things slipped into your life that needs to leave your life. 18 years ago, as a youth pastor at a church in Kansas and I came into the office one day, super congest, congested, just stuffy in my head, and I had a, there was an associate pastor there by the name of Brian, good dear friend of mine still to this day, and Brian was the associate pastor, and he was next in my, it was in the next office over, and, and uh, I walked into his office like, Brian, my head is killing me, I'm congested, and, uh, you know, and, and like our pastor's thing was, you don't call in, you crawl in, you know, so it's like, nowadays it's like, you know. <laughs> Whatever, anyway, like, you don't call in, you crawl in. And so I'm like, oh, because I can't make it today, I don't know what. And Brian said, said this, he said, hey, and Brian is like super melancholy, quiet guy, funny, dry sense of humor. He's got his, he's got, uh, his mustache was older than I was. It was just an awesome, thick police mustache. It was just so awesome mustache. I loved it. I, I'm jealous of that mustache. And he had, a, he had a, a cup that just had the exact same mustache on it. And, and just like when he picked up his mustache, it was still there. Like he just, and he'd drink his coffee all day long, all day long. I don't know how many cups of coffee he had all day long. I mean, just even keel, Brian, right? I said, Brian, could Jesse, you got anything? He takes a sip of coffee, says, I got something, uh, I got some nose spray I can let you borrow. And first of all, ew, okay, but, uh, but I didn't care. I didn't care, I wiped that sucker off, man, stick it right up in there. 
And here's what I said to, to, I said, and maybe you've heard the same. I said, Brian, I don't know if I want to do the Afrin. I've heard that you can get addicted to that. Heard you can get addicted to nose spray. I don't know if I want to do that. And Brian goes, no, no, you can't get addicted to it. I've been, I've been using it for 25 years. <laughs> and he paused and I paused and I said, Brian, 25 years. And all of a sudden, even kill Brian went, I'm addicted. I'm an addict. All of us have had something in our life that slipped into our life. It may need to leave our life as simple as a small little thing like that. And you know, um, look, I get it. Long day of work. I want to slip the shoes off. Pour a little wine. Take the edge off. And unbeknownst, Something that you slip into because something you never wanted it to be. It not only becomes something that can take an edge off, but it can become something that now you're more focused on letting that ease and numb something than ever even taking it to a friend, taking it to God, dealing with our issues another way. And what we do is, we find patterns in our life that become obvious and easy in order to deal with those things that probably need to slip out versus slip in. You know, it could be uh, it started with, started somewhere and now it's ended. You, you, it's, it's late night snacking. It's uh, Cokes all day long. It is consumed with social media. It's your sleep patterns. It's the binge watching Netflix. These are only things that I'm talking about myself, okay? Like, like these are issues. And they can slip into your life and they can consume your time and they can steal your joy. The Apostle Paul had some issues. One of the greatest men of faith that's ever lived wrote more books in the New Testament than any other author. And here's what, he's, here's what the Apostle Paul says. You're in good company. I'm in good company. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Like, I'm in good company here, everybody. I, I want to do the right thing, but then I don't do the right thing. And then, and then, and then I know what I shouldn't do, and I end up doing it, and oh, I feel guilty about it. Again, it's the cue, it's the response, and it's the reward. Last week, I talked about this whole chart of how, of how we deal with um, expectations and how we have results. We want results to be high results, good results, big results. You'll see results instantaneously. But we also know that it takes time to see results. So what an advertiser wants to do is to give you big results in little or no time. That's what they want. And so... We have unrealistic expectations of little bit of time, big results, when, when, when really, right here, this is more of a reasonable expectation, where we kind of, we gradually grow up and to the right as it takes time. We become who God's calling us to be. We're able to get some things accomplished. This is called retirement. No, 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 I want lottery win right here. But it just takes some time to save. We want it immediately, we want instant gratification. We want microwave money versus crock pot money. We gotta have a crock pot strategy sometimes, everyone. And instead of it being reasonable expectations, that's not even reality. Here's, here's reality. 
Reality is it takes a while to get off the ground. It takes a runway of habits to get some momentum and finally you begin to see some lift. But you don't, nobody gets into the airplane and they're on the runway and you're like, is this thing ever gonna go? Like, like you know, it starts moving, it starts moving and eventually it takes a little bit. Sometimes it takes a little longer than you expected but eventually the right speed is, the right speed, 88 miles an hour and then all of a sudden, that's a joke, back to the future, and then it goes up. It goes up. But this space right here is the valley of disenchantment. It's that space before we see the results that we can get stuck in and we, we never get that new habit started. But now let me show you something new on this chart. This. That right there is what we call a bad habit. Because it takes almost little time. And many times a bad habit like like um, a snack that's, that's sugary, like, like sugar, okay? The cue is, I'm hungry. The response is, I grab the sugar, and guess what I get? I get a quick reward. I get the reward. Tastes good. Feels good. Let's go. Two hours later. And over time, as we have these bad habits that show up, look, look, like... Um, I, uh, I've, I've done things before that were an immediate, immediately could have been a bad habit if kept on in my life. Me and Billy Doherty, still in cigarettes from the quick trip. When we were 18 years, 17 and 18 years old, he'd wear a hoodie, I'd put him in the back of his hoodie and we'd walk out. I know, you're, you're pastor, you're welcome. I don't do that anymore. Unless it's New Year's Eve and I don't do that. Now, that was an unbelievably bad habit. Had I kept with that, let me show you the trajectory of my life. This is the trajectory of my life had I hung on to that kind of habit in my life. And you can name whatever you want that is a quick response, makes you feel good, it, it, it rewards you. This is the power of alcohol. This is the power of pornography. This is the power of, of chasing that emotional high in an extramarital connection. And that might give you an instant reward. But the trajectory is down, everybody. It will take your life down. What's the cue? What's the response? What's the reward? So what do we do with a bad habit? We almost invert the whole thing. Instead of making it obvious, you make it invisible. You, you, you don't just pile the countertops with all the food you know you should avoid. You don't just stock the fridge just in case. You, you, don't, you don't buy the cigarettes and have them in your pocket just in case. I'm, I'm quitting, I'm not gonna do it anymore, but just in case. You gotta make it invisible. Remember the scripture I just read to you? The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Jesus goes on to say, yeah, but if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. So you gotta, you gotta be careful with your eyes. Get some of that stuff out of your eye sight. You know, there's something powerful about moving some of your apps away from your home screen and putting them on like screen number 12. At least, 
at least it gets you having to search for them. Jesus says here in Matthew 5, if your right eye causes you to stumble, I mean, this is intense, gouge it out and throw it away. He also says if your right hand offends you, cut it off. We'd have, you know how many people we'd have running around? That's one eye, one hand stumpy over there. Like, like that's, we, we'd have all kinds of crazy people running around because that's the reality. It's hyperbole, but he's saying it's so important for you to make the good things obvious and trying to make invisible those other things. Look away, turn the other way. Turn and look at the right things. Make it obvious, or make it invisible. Number two, make it difficult. Make it difficult. Here's some things. Move your alarm clock. You're not getting up on time. Move your alarm clock to the bathroom. If you sleep in the bathroom, why? But, but like, um, IBS maybe, I don't know. Move your alarm clock. But here's the deal. You might make everybody else upset, but you're gonna get up. You're gonna get up. Make it difficult. Hey, stop carrying credit cards. I just, oh, I keep on spending. I got more months left at the end of the money. Stop spending money on the credit card. It's, it, you, you get a cash envelope system. It's amazing how when it makes it difficult like to get the money, it's so easy. Like People want it to be easy. Just scan it. We, we, you know what? We are so lazy now, we can't even scan it. All we gotta do is like tap it. Just tap it. I literally, this watch right here, it's got a credit card inside it. I don't even have to run, it's a running watch. I don't even have to I gotta go to a gas station, get a drink. All I gotta do is go like this, beep, bloop. <laughs> Did you hear the child? <laughs> it's like, stop, it makes it so easy. Like, make it more difficult to do those things. Hey, unload social media on your phone. If you're being consumed, I don't wanna waste my life looking at pictures of the fun of other people's lives. <laughs> Unload the social media. The average person touches their phone 2,617 times a day. That's the average person. Make it, make it invisible, make it difficult, finally, involve the right community. Again, if there's some bad habits and you know, but then you're surrounding yourself with a community that engages and actually glorifies those same bad habits, it's time to rethink your community, everybody. I gave you another scripture. It's the inverted side of it. See, walk with the wise and become wise. The book goes on to say, associate with fools and get in trouble. Another translation says, associate with fools and you'll become just like them. So that's how you start a new habit. That's how you stop a bad habit. But let me finish up with this. And it's the keystone habit. It's the keystone what is a keystone habit? A keystone habit is the small habit that creates a domino effect improving other areas of my life. That if I add this little habit in, it's amazing how it affects all the other habits. It's stacking the dominoes. I'll give you a, a sneak peek. 15, first 15 minutes of your day and the last 15 minutes of your day are keystone habit moments. It's in that window, first 15 and the last 15, that you can make some major changes to all 168 hours in your week by just taking that 30 minutes in the day. It's amazing. It's amazing. The keystone habit. If you're frustrated with the attitude of your kids in the morning, maybe there's some keystone habits to change with your kids in the morning. If you're running late and then you're getting your kids up and they're running late, guess what? Nerves, are, if you have no margin in your morning, 
you're going you're gonna to get on each other's nerves. If there's no margin, it's easier to step on each other's toes if there's no margin. There was a habit that Jan and I did faithfully with our kids in the morning growing up, especially, especially in the early years. We wake up, wake them up, get up! No, I mean like, and there's been times, there's been times, but, but most of the time, we, we woke them up with this special song. We turn on the light, we come over to them, and it's become such a habit that our kids will not get out of bed without at least getting their back scratched because of this habit. It's terrible and it's awesome all at the same time. We would come up to them and uh, we would sing them a little song. And the song goes like this. I love you, 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 Graham. And then I do a little drum beat on his back. And then I keep going. I love you, 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 Graham. And then we go a little, change it up. Since you have come into your mommy and daddy's life, we love you more every day. Love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, we love you, Graham. And almost like clockwork, they would then say, drum solo. You say, now get up, it's time to get up. Now, here's, here's one, the last thing we would do. We'd sing that song. We'd say, love you, buddy, but nobody will ever love you like Jesus. Let's go. Now, I am telling you, we're not perfect at that. But when we start the days like that, as we started the days like that, it's amazing how much more effective the morning is when we have the keystone habit of starting something like that. Now they won't get out of bed without, you know, they just won't do it. In fact, Sage dropped her off 15 hours away. And one, uh, one morning years ago, it just came to my mind. God, it's hard. I, I don't like having them so far away. I don't like our kids growing up. But yet that's like what we're called to do. We're called to teach them how to leave, you know. And hopefully they'll want to come back. Um, Sage, after singing that one day, she said, Daddy, who's going to sing that to me when I go off to college? And now here's, there she is. I'm going to make a phone call today, by the way. I got a song I need to sing. A small habit creates a domino effect. Let me tell you, here's the keystone habit for you and for me. I'm telling you, it is the domino that if you tip it over, it tips all the other Dominoes, I promise you. And it sounds almost so small. It sounds almost so pastory that you may, you may just shrug it away. But I'm telling you, it's obvious and you can make it easy and you can involve community with it. And here it is. Engage the word. Engage the word of God. Engage the word of God. Scripture says bodily exercise profits a little. I mean, bodily exercise profits you. It's good. Stay in shape. Get in shape. But godliness is profitable for, the whole, for all the things. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. In Psalm 119, your word lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. If you're struggling and stumbling on where to go next, I'm telling you, engage the word. Now, over the course of 15 years, there were 400,000 Christians 
surveyed in over 2,000 churches. And in those churches, they did a massive questionnaire and the results were extraordinary. Here's what they found. Those that would engage the Bible one to two times a week. One of those being like one time a week is you right in here, right now, me saying the Apostle Paul said it like this. To another time, maybe on the radio or whatever, those that engage the word of God one to two times a week, no real significant changes in their life in comparison to someone who never engaged the Bible at all. When it went to three times a week, there was a slight upward movement But there was something supernatural, honestly. When people were engaging the word, 400,000 in this survey, when they would engage four times a week at about 10 minutes per time. Four times a week, about 10 minutes per time. They saw an unbelievable seismic shift in the people. And as they collected the data, here's what they found. Feeling lonely dropped by 30%. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped by 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. Sharing your faith jumped 200%. Discipling other people jumped 230%. There's something powerful, powerful and palatable about engaging the word of God. So you got to engage it. I'm inviting you. We want to make it as easy as possible. Over the course of the next few weeks, we're rolling out some new things. One of those is called Right Now Media. We've already rolled it out, but we're going to be amplifying ways you can get connected with our, it's basically Netflix for Christians. There are hundreds of thousands of videos for you and your kids, for men, for women, for young adults, for teenagers, all, all engaging the word of God in very practical ways. And you can, uh, you can access those things free of charge. We're paying, we're paying the monthly subscription fee for everybody that signs up on it. It would be like us paying your $17 a month for your Netflix or 19 or however much it is now. They just get you little bit by little bit. They get you, oh, $7.99. Yeah, for two days. We're paying that for you. That's a gift from us to you because we want to see you engage the word because we know if we will engage the word, a lot of things are going to change in your life. But also, we don't want to just engage the word. And, and this is a, a little bit of a shift I want to wrap up with today. And that is, I want you to engage the word personified. See, if I open this up on a Tuesday morning and I say, okay, God, here's the word. Speak to me. As precious as this is, and as helpful as this is, um, as living and breathing as it is, it's beautiful. The Bible isn't God. It, it is the word of God, but it isn't God. Following your marriage vows is not marriage. It is the playbook. But you just relying on the vows is not about what's really gonna make your marriage successful. 
It's about that being written on your heart. It's the personification of those things. It's how I live those out. And I want you to know that from Genesis to Revelation, this word became flesh. When Jesus left heaven for earth, took on human form, the word became flesh and lived among us. The perfection of the word was personified in Jesus. And as much as the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me, I can stand upon or stand alone on the word of God. I can stand on it, but this word is not gonna wrap its pages around me, but I know a Jesus with real hands that are really scarred who will meet you where you are. The apostle Paul said it. I want to do what's right. I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. And he begins to conclude this thought with this. What a miserable person I am. See, he was attaching his identity in what he was doing. And you, 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 your identity will drive your behavior. Your identity drives your behavior. So you don't have to be that alcoholic. You can be a son and daughter of the living God. You don't have to be defined by your mistakes. You can be defined by your creator. Paul says, what a miserable person I am. And he asks this question. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? It's not what will free me. It's the personification of the voice of God through Jesus, the son of God. Who, who will free me? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ. So, if you've seen your life five years from now, and what you see is not what you want, what you see inside your heart even in this moment is not who you want to be. The first step is not to then just to begin to envision you 2.0. The keystone habit is not to lose the weight. The keystone habit is not to set the ritual the first 15 minutes. The keystone habit is this. Fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. No one knows you like the author of your life. No one knows the story of your life more than the one who will author it. So, um, in the rooms, that we have today. From my friends at Dieball and Duncan, those of you online, Nagadoches right here, no doubt, there's some new habits you wanna start. And there's some bad habits that may have slipped in and now that slipping in has become kind of a flood gate. instead of backing up and recognizing that and starting to beat yourself up over it this song kind of summarizes it would you sing it Cody in all locations just listen to the words turn your eyes upon
I could preach a whole sermon on those last two lines. I won't, because I've already preached. But the more you focus your eyes, all these other things become dim. They don't immediately remove sometimes. Sometimes supernaturally they can be gone in an instant. That's how God works. But other times they dim over time as the illumination of his glory and his grace infiltrate your life one decision at a time, one step at a time, one day at a time. But it starts with your action. Turn your eyes on him. Would you pray with me this morning? Would you close your eyes all over the place and our hearts are now focused on Jesus. This isn't doing business with me. This is doing business with God. And if you're here today and you know there's something holding you back, it's time to settle that by saying, Jesus, I turn my eyes on you. I'm gonna focus on you. In our rooms today with, with honesty between you, me, and Jesus, you'd say there's a bad habit that I, I need to see broken and I wanna see it broken. If that's you, would you just lift a hand toward heaven and grab the hand of Jesus that's reaching out to you? I gotta have, I, I wanna break that thing. Yeah, Jesus, I pray that you would do what only you can do and that those things would become strangely dim in the light of your grace. But before we move, there's a major moment right now for some of you. The truth is this, the habit you need to start is really a decision today to put Jesus first in your life. To not just declare him as the big man upstairs, not just the son of God, but your Lord and Savior. You cannot be the number one control of your life. That makes you God. But today, it may start with making it obvious that Jesus is gonna be my Lord. And the way you do that is you recognize him as such. You acknowledge that you are not, you are not the answer of your life. He is the answer. And in your own words, you just ask him. That's what prayer is, talking to God. You just talk to him, God, be my Lord and Savior. Jesus, thank you for not being mad at me, for giving me a chance to put you first in my life. I wanna do that. Will you help me? Will you help me put you first? You believe that and you acknowledge that and you confess that, friend. He is making you a new person. Not just cleaning you up. He is making you new. Embrace that. Thank you, Jesus, for making me new today. We ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen.